I knew I finally found something that I wanted to pour myself into. And so it gave me purpose. And a lot of times, you know, as coaches, we, we ask, and the first thing I ask my clients is, what do you want? Right. And that becomes their why. You know, they have a defined goal that they want. And, you know, a lot of people, they know what they want, and, uh, but they don't know how to get there. Welcome back, everybody, to the Redemption Road podcast. I'm your host, Doc John. Here on Redemption Road, we are talking to high-performing individuals to hear about the obstacles they overcame, the pitfalls that befell them, and hear about how they overcame them and the life hacks and what you can do, what you can learn from them. So today, I have the owner of Jeff at Fitness, and he's yes, sir. About discipline. He's a real truth seeker and a truth speaker and also uh, shares a common interest with me in terms of helping men become the best version of themselves overall, physically, mentally, spiritually, the whole nine yards. It's my pleasure to introduce Jeff Theorel. Jeff, thank you for being here, my brother. Welcome. Absolutely, man. Thank you very much for having me on. Awesome. Yeah, I've been excited about this for a while. And so, uh, yeah, man, let's let her rip. So absolutely. Uh, here on Redemption Road, uh, you know, I, I like to open things up and, uh, you know, everybody's overcome, you know, a struggle. And I, I know, you know, you and I have talked privately about some of the things that you overcame, but I think it'd be great for everybody in the audience to hear just exactly what you had to overcome to be the high performer that you are now. I mean, Jeff's a high performer now in terms of fitness and uh, uh, to helping other people to achieve their fitness goals and uh, help them get where they want to be and building more confidence in the process, of course. So, uh, Jeff, talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the early struggles that you had and uh, what you did to overcome them. Yeah, so... You know, my, uh, my company, uh, Jeff, the transformation was sort of um, originally born out of my own transformation, which kind of began, I'd say, like, the beginning of it would have been kind of early high school. So, you know, in middle school and before that, I really, I really struggled in school with uh, attention deficit disorder, learning disabilities. And so I kind of had a, going through school, I um, was not a good student, got really poor grades. And um, it was kind of one of those things where, um, I just didn't have a high view of myself. I saw these other kids that were excelling and, and were able to kind of grasp the concepts of like math and some of these things. And so I was really kind of struggling. And then um, I guess it was, uh, so probably from sixth to eighth grade was probably a, a really bad time in my life where I was um, just was not making in school. And like I was trying to figure out kind of you know, who I was, you know, still young then, but you know, when I got into about sure. eighth grade, starting to get in ninth grade, it's kind of like, um, I had no real healthy outlet. And so I wasn't doing really well in school. Um, I was struggling there. And then, um, socially I did okay. I mean, I had friends and things like that, but I also, I kind of just kind of faked it, uh, that I was happy and content, you know, but I, I just never felt as good as anyone else or anything like that. And um, so kind of wearing so, the mask that everything is okay. And yeah, yeah. Like everything's good on the surface, but deep down you're noticing that you know, maybe when it comes to academics and learning, it's, you know, I'm struggling. It seems like a lot more than the other people are. And why is everything coming to so sure. them? And I'm, I'm struggling so much. And so you've got that inner self doubt and, you know, you're trying to conceal it, but deep down underneath, you're really, really suffering. Yeah. 
For sure. And, you know, it, it wasn't um, until I got into ninth grade when a uh, weightlifting coach who started off at the school that I went to as an English teacher, um, he started to develop a weightlifting program at the school that I was at. And they never really had that. And um, at the time, you know, I didn't really care about weightlifting or anything like that. I was, wasn't in the sports at the time. I played baseball and a few things, but I didn't really have healthy outlets. So I started trying this and getting into it. And uh, I really started to like it. And uh, that was kind of the first time where I was like, okay, I, I, I like this and I think I could be good at it. And um, I started to uh, train with Matt, who was an Olympic, uh, Olympic weightlifter and he was a champion himself, won a couple of national uh, meets and things like that. He was also a professional coach. So he was able to, um, you know, take guys in his wing and train through the whole process. And that was really the first time where I'd had someone who um, really, really came alongside of me and was willing to do the work. You know, sometimes, sometimes before we can believe in ourselves, it takes a coach or someone else who believes in you and helps you through that process. And that was certainly true for me where, you know, I had a very low view of myself, no confidence. And he saw something in me that he thought had potential. And so he kind of took me under his wing, started showing me the ropes at school, or not only academics, you know, helping me after school with that, but also in the weight room. And, so I started training for him. It was about six months where I was really pushing myself really hard and he was helping me out. And I really enjoyed that process of like training your body. I started to see the physical results and I started to develop like um, kind of some discipline there because I hadn't really had any discipline in my life in any other area. And so, like, you know, with weightlifting, you know, you have to have consistency to gain results and it's a progressive overall thing. You know, each week you add a little bit more weight so you get stronger and stronger. So I started to see this started to happen to me and I really, it really, started to affect me in a very positive way and then i'd only been doing it about six or seven months and he took me to my first powerlifting competition and so you're finally uh, getting that positive reinforcement you got yeah. something finally something i can hang my hat on and i'm doing i'm doing the reps and i'm seeing results and you know all this consistency is, is paying some dividends for me 100 percent. and it was really the first time that i had felt any kind of confidence was he took me that first meet and I had done so well in those seven months and made a lot of progress that I actually ended up winning the first powerlifting meet that I'd ever gone to. And so that was really the first time where I, I, I felt this, this surge of, of, of confidence and healthy confidence. It wasn't confidence or anything, but there was this, I, I actually felt like, man, I, I can do this. I'm actually worth something. I have ability, you know? And so yeah. that was really the, that was really the first time in my life where I'd, I'd, I'd had that feeling. It was almost sure. addicting. It's like, you know, those endorphins in your brain is all positive. And I'm like, man, I want this. And that was really the first time where I, I knew I finally found something that I wanted to pour myself into. And so it gave me purpose. And a lot of times, you know, as coaches, we, we ask, you know, the first thing I ask my clients is, what do you want? Right. And that becomes their why. You know, they have a defined goal that they want. And, you know, a lot of people, they know what they want. And, uh, but they don't know how to get there. It's like, okay, right. here's where you're at. Here's where you'd be. Like, what do we have to do to get there? What's the blueprint? So finally, I, I had this, I finally had the purpose. And before I was kind of just this wandering lost kid, not, I had no healthy outlet. I had no, no, I didn't know what I wanted. So for the first time I felt purpose. I'm like, this is what I want to do. I want to be the best at this. And so after that, and I started training even harder. I started researching like, diet, nutrition, and training, like how do I maximize results in this? And I almost, it wasn't, I don't think it was unhealthy, but I almost became obsessed with it. It's like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all out. 
and it was the first time I'd ever really put that kind of effort into anything. And it's only the unmotivated people that are going to say that you're obsessed. <laughs> right, for sure. And But it, honestly, it was the really the first time I'd really put all of myself into something and, and it felt it felt really good. So. Yeah, man, to, to go all in like that and to, to find something where, you know, you, you know, you've got ability in it. But uh, I mean, you had a lot of sweat equity built up. I mean, to, to know you did all that work and then to have come come out on top like that. I mean, that's that's got to feel good. And. You know, I, and I think especially when you've gone through some of the darkness that you went through early on in junior high and, you know, have those setbacks to, you know, to, to go through those struggles and everything else. And then to finally come out on top with something like this. I mean, that makes it even sweeter in the end. Oh, for sure. And, you know, especially as and that's one thing, like as a coach, I mean, obviously you got to make money to, to, you know, live your life. But for me, it's coaching now is not not even really about the money. I mean, there was something. Um, there's a when you work with someone and you see them put themselves all into it and you see not just the physical transformation they make but that emotional transformation that heart transformation where that confidence that they gain in the weight room when they are able to take control of their health and fitness that confidence pours over into every other aspect of their life 100%. and at least it did at least it did for me i mean um i didn't even really start like putting myself in the academics, it was more of a mindset. Like when I started to be really good with weightlifting and I started to win more competition, especially when I got, you know, into high school, my um, sophomore, junior, senior year, like I, I went from in eighth grade being a DF student to being on the honor roll list. And, you know, what changed there? It was a mindset and it was a confidence that started with weightlifting that began to pour in every aspect of my life. And yeah. um, then I, I really... I really wanted to excel in and on these other things. And so it was, it was really a mindset change and the shift in my mind that was, yeah. that happened because of that happened for me because of weight for sure. And I love that because, you know, the, the best thing I like with fitness is with fitness, fitness, it's you versus you. I mean, there's yes, other people that are involved. And so, I mean, I, I, it's such a big part of my confidence program. In fact, it's one of my six pillars of confidence because it's the best opportunity. It's, it's the most straightforward, concrete way for you to do what you say you're going to do. And when, when you're able to do that over and over again, call your shot and then follow through on it. I mean, that's 100%. where confidence comes from. It's, it's those, those successes that you have over and over and over again. And when you know that you're going to follow through and keep the promises that you made to yourself and have that credibility with yourself and, you know, fitness is, it's one of those straightforward ways to do it. And then you start thinking, Oh, well, I did that, you know, I, I, you know, I did all those tasks or I finished 75 hard. Oh, sure. And it's like, totally. okay, well I did that. Holy shit. What, totally. what else am I capable of? What, I did, if I did this, what, what, what else, uh, what else can I take on? And they, I mean, and and really, those things are possible too. Really the sky's the limit. I mean, I mean, you're, you're only really limited by your own, your own mindset. And I used to not think that way. You know, I used to think like before I'd even get into something, my mindset was, uh, I, I failed in school so badly. I don't think I could. I could do that, and that was my mindset of going into almost anything. But that totally changed. I mean, now, now, um, I, I know that if I do the work, if I work hard enough, I, I can do almost anything. And I never used to think that way at all. So it was a complete mind shift uh, change. And you know, one of the things that, um, you know, I know you and I talked the other day when we were on the phone about uh, seventy-five hard and those types of things. You know, when we, when, we, when we follow through on our promises to ourselves and we stick to something like that, I mean, there's days where we're going to be tired and the training that we do, 
you know, we might not even be getting the physical benefit from it, but when you go into the gym and you, you follow through on those days where you don't want to go, you're training your mind, you're training your heart, you're training your spirit to, of, you know, to be resilient. And it's like when you go, when you go and do those things, even when you don't want to, um, you know, I think I talked about the other day in a post, it's like you're really, you're really training like kind of the sleeping giant in you. It's like, it's like you're, you're creating a warrior, you know, type of thing. And so like when tough times do come, um, you'll have the ability when you're tired and you don't want to do it to, to continue to do the things you know you need to do to get to where you want to go and to make things happen. Because, you know, there's days where, you know, I'm tired and I don't want to go to the gym and I could skip it, but I know that if I go, I might not be getting the most physical benefit out, but I know that if I go, I'm, I'm, proving to myself that uh that i can that i can do it still and no matter how i feel if i if i'm consistent and i make that a non-negotiable with myself um again that 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 you're creating power for yourself really it's, sure. it's an internal power and again that, that pours over to every aspect of my lives right yep. and the other thing i like there too is that when you when you're going and you don't feel like it you're taking emotion out of the situation and, and emotion is such a powerful thing when people are making decisions sometimes and when when you're taking emotion out of that decision, you're not letting emotion dictate your behavior and that you don't feel like it. You're feeling lousy. You're feeling depressed, angry. You feel like shit, but you do it anyway. Oh, yeah. You know, th then you become the master over you. And that's, you know, that's what, powerful in and of itself. Yes. And you just said something in, in, in you, um, you know, being the psychology world, I know that you know more about this than I do, but one of the things I, you know, I'd gone through a really bad depression at one point in my life and, the thing about when we make decisions based on our emotions, um, oftentimes our feelings lie to us, and our feelings don't always determine reality. I mean, yeah. maybe it's here's the biggest liar of all. Oh, for sure, for sure. Maybe it's oversimplifying it, but you know, a long time ago, people used to feel that the earth is flat, right? It might feel that way, and um, logically, I guess, if you didn't know any better, it, it kind of makes sense, but. No matter how you feel about it, like we know now that that's not true. It might feel flat, but it doesn't matter what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Oh, I lost you for a second there. H hang on one second. I, I lost you. Lost. I lost sound. When you're going through depression or something like that, your feelings might be telling you that you're incapable, you're worthless, um, your life has no value, you can't do it. But the reality is, similarly to the earth not being flat, like your feelings in that, you almost have to set yourself aside and come back to what is true. What What is what is true? And um, no matter how people feel, like you do have value, you do have worth, and you can do it. And so sometimes it's easier said than done, but we have to separate our feelings, put our feelings aside and say like, okay, what, what is reality? I might not feel like I can do this, but the reality is I can. Like I can, I might not feel like doing it, but I can get up right now and I can go to the gym and I can push myself. I can do it. And the reality is you, you can. And so, yeah, it's nice when our feelings positively line up with reality, but that's not always the case, right? Right. And and I love what you said there as ter in terms of being objective and, you know, and rather than let the feelings dictate your, your um, you know, how you go about things, but to be look at it objectively and, you know, what proof do I have that I can? What proof that do I have that I can't? 
what evidence yes. do we have? And you take that empirical approach. And that's that's such a big part of cognitive therapy. That's such a big part of what I do in terms of how people manage self-talk and really manage the whole internal narrative that they have with themselves is be able 100%. to look at the evidence like a scientist and say, okay, well, yeah, maybe, you, you know, because just because you feel something's true doesn't mean it is. You know, people talk about sure. it. Like, I've got this feeling in my gut that this is true and this is not. But, you know, so, sometimes your gut isn't right. Sometimes you got to look at facts and numbers and, you know, true objective evidence and know whether it's true. And I can't do it. Well, what proof do you have that you can't do it? I mean, 100%. And every time you go to the gym or do something you don't want to do, you're giving yourself evidence. You're giving yourself an, an arsenal of reasons to like, on those days when you feel like you can't do it, you can look back and say, actually, yeah, I can. I'm just BSing myself right now, right? Yep. It's a deposit in the bank, deposit bank for grit, deposit in the bank for mental toughness, deposit in the bank for confidence, all of the above. 100%. Good 100%. shit, man. Oh, absolutely. So talk to me about the biggest uh, mental pitfalls that you have with, uh, with, with the folks you work at with as, as a fitness professional and uh, like, what, what are some of the biggest sticking oh, wow. points and um, you know, what are the strategies you use to overcome them? Well, unfortunately we kind of live in this instant gratification society where people want, you know, maximum results with minimal effort. And so that's what, <laughs> and it doesn't, that's not how things work. I mean, uh, maximum effort always produces maximum results. And so, um, that's probably the hardest part is most people right when I right when I um, start working with them a majority of the people I should say they they're always looking for a way not to do hard work it's like okay so what do I do do I go get all these supplements or like what do I they're looking for these ways that, now, the, there's things that can, can help you along the way and then I think that there's you know protein supplements there's things that can be beneficial but the conversation almost always starts with you know, now you have these people who have never lifted in their life and they want to, they want to buy their way to fitness right away. And it's like, how can okay, I fast can, track we, this? <laughs> how can I fast track this? Right. And so, um, you know, that's, that's such a hard thing to fight because that is literally um, our society is, is totally like that. So it's almost like I have to walk them through it. And it's like, um, I think the best way to, to kind of look at it is, um, you know, because we live in an instant gratification society and you look at people wanting, wanting it all without having to do the work. I mean, they want um, to have a healthy uh, relationship full of uh, wonderful sex and all this stuff, but they don't want to do the work to cultivate their partner or to, to give them the things that they need or whatever. And similarly, like, it's interesting that people will spend, you know, they'll spend a hundred dollars at a bar in a night drink with drinks, no problem, but they won't, you know, you tell them that a coaching session or a coaching thing costs 50 bucks. And they're just like, ah, no, 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 like, that's too much money. And so it's amazing that people aren't willing, at least initially, to invest in themselves. And so the thing is, anytime I've given something to someone for free, like, there's no value there to them. And so they end up, they tend to not follow through with it. But um, so that's like, when you charge something to someone for someone, not, not just a high price or whatever, but kind of create some skin in the game for them where it's like mm -hmm. okay and even me as a coach like if i give something to someone away for free well guess what you're going to be the lowest on my priority list like the, the highest pay, the higher paying customers they they're going to be the priority because they're the ones who are commit, most committed they're the ones who are saying i'm worth this 
I'm going to put my, give my money, put my money where my mouth is and I'm going to do this. So it's kind of interesting how that works, but that's, you know, kind of a psychology there where if, if people, um, where people don't have to sacrifice anything that it tends to not be, uh, they don't put a value on it and things like that. And so it's, it's kind of an interesting thing when you you run across this in coaching. And then what's real interesting is then there's some people you work with who, um, they do recognize the value in being healthy and investing in themselves. And they're immediately going to put down more than you'd think. It's like, you know, my coaching is not, is not necessarily that expensive, but you know, I've had people come like, what is this like $10,000? Okay, let's do it. I'm like, Oh no, no. Like, what are you talking about? But they're, they're willing to, they've been through enough. They've seen enough where it's like, they've come to that point where it's like, I'm done with my own BS and I'm going to invest in myself no matter what it takes, no matter what I got to do. And that's what I tell people. Like, yep. it's like, no matter you are worth, you are worth as a human being, whatever time, money and effort it takes for you to be happy to get from where you are to where you want to be. Right. No and better investment than yourself. No better investment in yourself. And especially, you know, when, when you have kids or a family and something like that, it's not just about you. It becomes about, your kids and your family and these other things that it's like you're doing a disservice not only to yourself but to your family and to the people you love and to society really if we're not working towards being the best versions of ourselves that, right. that we can be right, right. Uh, see you're bringing them on a great point and if, if, if y'all are listening just bringing up an, an amazing point and so investing in yourself is not selfish and you'll hear some people that'll try to argue that but it is not it's actually to the contrary by not doing this, by not giving the world the best version of you, by not filling your own cup, that's not giving the world the best version of yourself. That is what is selfish. So by going in on yourself and in making that investment and being becoming the kind of person that can be the best you can for your spouse, your partner, for the people you work for, for your children, for everybody around you, it's worthwhile. It's priceless because... It's going to affect, like Jeff was saying, it's going to affect all areas. I mean, it's it's going to affect your business. I mean, if you don't think you, you know your level of fitness is going to affect your business, well, you're wrong because it's going to affect the way that you focus. It's going to affect your work ethic. It's going to affect the way you tackle different tasks and see them and see what's possible. You're going to be able to outwork, outfocus, out everything, you know, somebody else. People are going yeah. to see that you're disciplined in at least one area of your life when they take a look at you. And 100%. all things, all things equal, if you're fit and the person next to you has equal credentials to you and they're not, chances are they're going to pick you because they're going to, they're going to look at you and they're going to say, well, you know, I know he can take care of me because it looks like he can at least take care of himself. Sure. And anything, anything can be taken to an unhealthy extreme. I mean, I know, I know some bodybuilders on, of course, not all body, but I know some people who are so into that lifestyle that, that it becomes an unhealthy obsession to where you know, they're neglecting their family and their responsibilities and the, the soul focuses on their body and their own little world. That's one thing. But, but like what you just said, um, sometimes we have to prioritize our own physical health, our own mental, excuse me, our own mental health, our own spiritual self. Um, first, it's kind of like, you know, I go back to talking about like when you're on an airplane where they tell them to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. It's like, if you don't have an oxygen to your brain and you're passing out too, well, you're not going to be good to anyone else. You're not going to be able to save your child next to you or help anyone else who might be struggling. So the idea is, you know, you make yourself healthy to where, you know, you, you're good. And then you can, you can take all of your energy 
into helping other people and doing the things that you need to do to help them get to where they want to go. And especially as a man, you know, you, you and I are both passionate about being men ourselves. Like that's, I think my calling to some degree and your calling to some degree is like, how can we make men be the best versions of themselves so that they can be the best husbands and fathers and business owners and things like that. And I think that really comes down to having a healthy view of prioritizing your own spiritual health, mental health, and physical health. And for me, you know, um, a few years back, I was a part of a uh, coaching group called the 300 Club. So it was me and a couple other guys. And my area of expertise was fitness. And one of the other guys was business and kind of a relationship coach. But one of the things we developed, um, similar to Sean Whalen, you know. Is that Mike Miller's group? Yeah, Mike Miller was was one of them. Yes, exactly. Precisely. Oh, Jeff, Jeff Watts. Yeah, Jeff. Uh, oh. And Mike was really successful. Oh, great guys. Great so, guys. Yes. Great guy. You know, so when we were doing this, um, we'd all been a part of the Lions Den. And for those of you who know the Lions Den or know Sean Whalen, he had a part of his coaching program. In his coaching program, he had this thing called Core Four, um, which is power, passion, purpose, and production. And those are kind of key areas in your life that um, you want to invest time in every day or on a weekly basis to kind of move the proverbial bar forward type of thing. And so um, when we did the 300 club with myself, Jeff Watson and Mike Miller, um, we developed this thing called the free method, F-R-E-E. And the acronym is uh, fitness, relationships, education, um, and economics. So fitness, uh, those are kind of key areas of life that a lot of people struggle in, but they're areas of life that, um, if you don't have those areas right, uh, make the rest of your life difficult. So it's by no coincidence really everything that we do falls into those four categories. For sure, for and, sure. And, and and like I think you know, and there's been a lot of different you know. Um, I mean, some people you'll hear other people you know use different uh, acronyms. You know, some people have like the four Fs, like faith, family, finances, and fitness. But I mean, you know, if they did a, if going into stat geek mode for a second, if they did a factor model, everything would come down to those four factors every time. Everything sure. falls into those four areas. And so, um, yeah, everything you do inevitably falls under there. And, uh, you know, it's like four legs of a table and you have to have all of them attack. They all impact each other. And, uh, you know, one of them gets wobbly, you know, the whole table wobbles and, uh, you know, one of them, one or two of them fall, then your whole table is going to come crashing down. Oh, and you just and you just said it. It's like it's like kind of like we're only as strong as our weakest link, and so the the whole thing is like we want to strengthen those areas. And so, like by identifying those areas of life that a lot of people struggle with, um, you know, the idea is that you you you're intentional with your time in those areas. And so every day or every week on a weekly, daily or weekly basis, I literally had a worksheet made where I just wrote down on one side of the paper F R E E and a vertical line you know under my fitness i put okay today i'm going to do x y and z for and it doesn't have to be a big thing for someone who's just starting out be like today i'm going to walk 10 minutes okay you do that and so you're intentional about it and you do that small thing and again even though we start small we're creating power by going and doing it. you write it down you do it and it's almost like you create this non-negotiable list for yourself and it doesn't need to be crazy it doesn't need to be hard we always start off small but so we can build our confidence build our skill, um, build the willpower and the ability to go do that. So you just start off small and you like every day, like, okay, today I'm going to not even 10 minutes. Maybe I'm just going to go to the end of the block and back and you do it. 
And then your relationships, like, okay, the F, so we got the F for the day, the relationships. Okay, my relationship with my wife might not be so good. Things are difficult. Today, I'm going to send her a text message and say, tell her the things that I appreciate about her. I'm going to do that no matter what. And then your education, like the E part of it, I'm going to read, doesn't even be a whole chapter. I'm going to read two pages in this self-help book or this business development book or whatever, fitness book, whatever, just one page. And you do that every day, every day you start developing that consistency. And it's like, okay, today I'm going to read a chapter. And then your, your economics. Economics is such an important thing because, especially with relationships, because as, as you all know, like one of the biggest things that people deal with in, in divorce and all these issues are money issues, right? Like well, yeah, people struggle with that and it's a huge, huge problem and everyone's always worried about money and they're always worried about uh, retirement and all these things. So the thing is like, I wish I'd started younger. Now I'm, I'm getting my kind of stuff together here with my own like investments and portfolio and stuff like that. And I, of course, hindsight's 2020. If I'd started a long time ago, I could probably be retired now. But the thing is, no matter where you are, you can always start today. And that's the thing. It's like, okay, today I'm going to make a phone call to you know someone who handles retirement and get some advice and start putting a little bit of money away and do that. And so it's these areas that you do. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't need to be hard, but you, you start being intentional, you start doing these little things and you get consistency going. And that's real, just like, you know, my parts are like with the fitness thing. Consistency is key. Yeah. Consistency is key. And so many people, like I've seen them do it, like they'll do this fitness thing. They'll like go to the gym and they'll work their ass off. They'll be like a workout and then they'll skip a couple weeks and they'll come back in the gym and they'll, you know, do a few things like some bicep curls and they'll won't come back for a couple a week or two, and that's not how the body grows. You won't change doing that. You're essentially just wasting your time. So yeah, something and that simplicity and consistency. Yep. That's you know exactly you those two things together, and you do those simple things, the little things every day. You exactly. Know, it's like what uh, James Clear talked about atomic habits. You know, they're atomic because they're small, like an atom, but they can have you know explosive results, like an atom too, like an atomic bomb if you do them often enough. One hundred percent. You know, the, I mean, the the biggest thing that stood out for me in that book, I'm a numbers guy, is, you know, he talks about the 1% shifts and, you know, the the one, you know, if, if you take, uh, just to illustrate it, if you take one and multiply it, you know, by itself 365 times, one of the 365th power, the product is still one. Well, with the yes. one, if you take 1.01 to the 365th power, you get a product somewhere between 37 and 38, which is like a 3,000% improvement. Right. If you right. look at it that way, I mean, that's, that's evidence in and of itself. And that's, that's the way it works with fitness. I mean, you do, you do the tasks and you're consistent for 365 days a year and you do all those little things. Are you going to notice much difference one day to the next? Probably not. Are you going to notice a difference on the scale one day to the next? Probably not. But I promise you at the end of that year, you are going to be a dramatically different person, both in what you see in the mirror and what you feel underneath and just your whole Characters, the ways of thinking, feeling, and acting are going to be dramatically fucking different. 100%. And it's kind of like the old tortoise and the hare thing. Slow and steady wins the wins the race. Like mm-hmm. So many people, like, you know, New Year's comes around and, they, you know, we've got the start of a new year. And it's like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to take all these supplements. And it's like they have this, this energy and they just go and do it for like a week or two. And then they burn out and they quit. But, you know, it's the person who says, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to, you know, totally blow my back out, but trying to do all this stuff like, oh, you know what? I'm going to start 
every day I'm going to go on a walk. I'm going to do this every day. I'm going to eat, you know, I'm going to stop drinking soda or whatever it is. And you do these little things every day and you're consistent with it. You go, well, guess who's going to win the ultimate race. They might not lose, you know, 40 pounds in two weeks, but they'll lose it over a six month period or a year period. Mm-hmm. And they keep doing that road. They keep consistency and, consistency. and eventually a year or two down the road, they look in the mirror and they've got from where they were to where they want to be. It's because they had consistency and they developed a plan that works for life. That's realistic. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that brings to mind another important point and, you know, something that I've come to you know realize in recent years, probably the last four or five years too, is where you are now isn't the product of what you're doing this week or even yesterday. It's, it's the product of what you've done in the months and even sometimes the years leading up to now. Yes. So what totally. you're doing today isn't going to help you today, but you're, you're setting the building blocks in place for your future. You know, maybe even several months, you know, or sometimes years down the line. And this can apply to your fitness. This can apply to your business. I mean, the, you know, the work that you're doing now, it's it's a long game. And uh, that's what 100%. you're in mind with the consistency. And that's where that's where the faith component has to come in. I'm not talking about religious faith, but just, you know, you know, keeping the faith in the process and trusting in that process sure. that uh, sure. you have that consistency. And, you know, you will look up, look up one day and notice that things are different and it's just going to be very gradual. And then you look 100%. at yourself, you know, from a year ago and you're going to be like, oh, fuck, look, <laughs> look what I did. Well, and you're exactly right. And another thing, too, is it's like I almost kind of look at it as, as kind of world we live in as, as a it's obviously we look turn on the news and we see what's going on in the world. It's, it's life. Life can be hard. And there's a lot of stuff going on. That's like you're almost kind of in a war zone. And so in some sense, like. Um, you know, it kind of goes back to the old thing. It's 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 better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in the in, in the war, right? And so that's kind of my mentality. It's like I'm not I'm not you know training my body and doing doing uh, martial arts and those types of things because I want to you know run out and go to a bar and punch someone in the face. I'm I'm training my body and my mind and my spirit and like to when the time comes and I'm called upon and it's necessary, like I have the mental fortitude to do whatever it takes to, um, to, to continue to live and to save my family and to, to save my business and to help people in these types of situations. And there's sure. going to come a time in everyone's life where, you know, if you're not, if you don't, if you're not a strong willed person, like life, life will eat you up and spit you out. I mean, it's, it's, it sucks, but it's the people who, um, have been consistent with with not, maybe it's training or whatever it is, but when you being prepared in your mind, being prepared, exactly. be prepared, and you shall not fear. Be prepared, be prepared, be prepared, and that's exactly right. And and so for me, it's it's for sure it's about training my body because I want to be healthy, and you know I like to. You know, everyone wants to look good and all that, but more so than that, um, one, it's about being prepared. Like I, I want to be able to do whatever is necessary, and it's kind of like. We're, we're training ourselves for life. Like the things I love to do. I remember at the unhealthiest point in my life when I was 280 pounds, like I remember one time, like I just gone through a depression and I was, I was like laying in bed. I spent like six months almost in bed and I gained all this weight. And I remember like leaning over to try to tie my shoe and get up. And I, I almost passed out because I was so out of shape. And I thought I can no longer do the things I used to like to do. I go hiking. I was and that, that's another thing where I talk about like where you need to prioritize your own physical health, spiritual health. Mm-hmm. We all have been to a park where we've seen, you know, 
the out of shape parent or dad or mother or whatever who's sitting on the park bench eating McDonald's where their kids are out playing and doing that, doing all this stuff. And I, you know, I don't want to be that dad. I want to be fully present with my kids and all these things and to really be fully present with life. And you're striking and, a nerve with me right now because I, I went through that you know, you know, with my kids, you know, when I was in, in, in less shape too, you know, you're just, yeah, I, this, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, man, that totally. No, no. I mean, you're, you're saying it. it's like that, that totally, I, I would, uh, it's, it's totally. a nerve because like, I, uh, I, I can totally resonate with that because, you know, when I was out of shape, it's just, you know, it's hard, for, it's harder for you to be a good parent. And so that, that's when, it, you know, it took me, you know, seeing that and, you know, don't, you don't want to be the dad who's falling asleep at six thirty seven 7 o'clock on the couch, you know, yeah. ignoring making gaseous clouds, you know, while your kids are playing, you know, are playing and they want your attention and want you to chase them around and wrestle with them or do whatever sure. else. And, you know, that, that's, you know, that's one of those things that you need to really be focused on. And that, that was one of the things that, um, you know, that really helped me change things. And, you know, especially when it comes to nutrition and things like that, you know, was, rather than, you know, I had one person on my podcast a couple of years ago, he said, you know, I don't eat for my, uh, I don't eat, you know, for the satisfaction of my own tongue, I eat to serve others. Mm -hmm. So you start thinking about these things in terms of serving others. And that yeah. goes a long way. And you think, okay, well, if I make this decision for my health, you know, how am I going to serve others? If I eat this, way, if, I'm, if I'm taking this investment, how am I going to be able to serve others? And if you think in terms of that, that's, that's a game changer. hundred percent. And people don't think like that. I mean, again, we live in a, a society where people, people think about food and in, in like, in a way that it's so unhealthy. It's like, okay, it, it tastes good. And of course, as, as you know, being coming from the psychology world, it's, it's like, um, it's, it's a way that people, uh, they're emotional eaters and things like that, like any other addiction, whether you know, someone might eat for a cigarette or a bottle of booze or drugs. Some people eat for food. It was, it was food for me. Like I would be too, when I was still, when I would stress out or whatever, like I would literally go on a binge and just eat all kinds of garbage. And it was just, it was terrible. But that's the reality for a lot of people's life, especially in America. When you look at the statistics and, and all that type of stuff. And, um, you know, that's part of what I do with my coaching is it's not just, and that's the problem with most coaching these days is that a lot of it is like, it's almost like you're trying to get as many people through the door. You go to some of these big cookie cutter gyms, like they have a, a workout program, a cookie cutter workout program. They're just trying to get as many people signed up to make as much money as they can. And unfortunately, you know, most people can do a workout program for two, three weeks, whatever. But the reality is if someone's going to make a true transformation, you really have to get into the motivation psychology of 100%. where they're at and deal with that. And so part of it is not just going through going and doing the training, the bigger part, the deeper part, the thing that's going to create the longevity and the lasting transformation and the stick to itness is really um, digging deep and, and identifying all the healthy habits that we've been training ourselves into our whole lives. Mm -hmm. And then, not just uh, first of all identifying them so we have to be honest and open with ourselves and vulnerable but also after that like we need to develop new healthy patterns of action and make those our new habits and so it's the repetition of these new healthy habits the consistency a little bit at a time and that's um that's what makes the real difference and so the people that i've seen who've made real transformations in their life uh, it's all because they've done the work to again be honest and open with themselves or their coach about what they struggle with 
and identifying those things and being doing willing to do the work quit doing those things and then um, being willing to be consistent and be repetitious about doing these new things until they become habit and then once and again once you the beginning of the training program is always really difficult because you're out of shape it's hard work you're sore that's when people want to throw in the towel it's like i don't see any results the first two weeks i feel crappy why would i even do this but when you push through that you get past it you push through that point you put your feelings aside and you just keep going it's kind of like it's kind of like you know the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel you might not be able to see it but you keep putting one foot in front of the other and eventually you will get there and that's when people kind of cross over to the other side where they realize that there is the end game and they 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 grit their teeth, put one foot in front of the other until they cross over, and then they start to see the results. And your body starts to adapt to the training. You're not getting sore anymore. You start to feel instead, you know, in the beginning, workouts can take energy away. It's like it zaps your energy. In fact, in a real, a lot of, a lot of people actually get sick the first couple of weeks. They really start a new training program because their body's you're literally tearing muscle fiber down and rebuilding it. You're not used to that. And your body kind of goes through this process like, what the hell are we doing here? And it can yeah. almost kind of it can almost kind of lower your immune function during that time. A lot of people get colds and sick during the time, but you get to the other side of that. Yeah. And it has the opposite. Once they are gaining energy themselves yeah. and everything else, I'm sure. hundred percent. And so what it really comes down to is is pushing through that point where you don't want to do it. And when you get to the other side and you start to feel better, you start to see the results, and then it becomes it becomes this thing for me. Uh, going to the gym is therapeutic for me. Like, um, if I don't go, I feel like there's something missing or there's something that I need to do. And so for me, it's it's a part of my routine, my day that is essential to me feeling good about myself. Right. And to add on to what you just said, and I, I think the more you go through, you know, and, and, I, and gyms like me, it comes to my therapy, you know, as someone that works in mental health, I mean, that's, that's an outlet that I need you know, just given the type of the nature I do and talking to people about their problems every day. I mean, that's, that's my form of self-care, you know, and before you said, you know, just if I say self-care was going and eating whatever I want, go eat a whole pizza or, you know, go blow off steam and, you know, go be good to myself. Well, that's not really being good to yourself. I mean, you know, you, you try to pass it off as self-care and you try to justify like you deserve it, but you know, it's not real self-care, you know, the gym is for real sure. self-care for me, but um, you know, I think as you go along, you know, it becomes a matter of, you know, there's two types of motivation. There's intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation. And, you know, the thing that's, that the gym has become for me, it's become so intrinsically motivated, meaning like you just have all these internal rewards, you know, even if the external rewards aren't coming, you know, and, and I think that's the biggest challenge too. I imagine as, as a fitness trainer is when the external rewards are coming, when the body fat loss isn't happening, when the weight loss isn't happening, when the changes in the mirror aren't happening, you know, are you still, is there still intrinsic rewards for you from, you know, in terms of how you're feeling and knowing that you're bettering yourself, knowing that you're, you know, helping your lab work and, you know, giving yourself better longevity and being able to be there for your kids and, you know, be there for the people that, uh, that you serve in your life. And so yes. for me, having that intrinsic motivation, you know, that's what makes me not want to miss a workout because, you know, I feel like it's going to, you know, it's going to gradually dull the iron. We want to sharpen the iron and, so if I miss a day, you know, okay, maybe I miss a day, but then if you miss two days, you start missing consecutive days and then you start rationalizing and it's too easy to fall off. And then before long, you're, you're dulling the iron and, um, 
you, you start losing that in, intrinsic motivation. And so like, you know, yes. from having that intrinsic motivation and knowing that, uh, you know, even though, yeah, I might not be losing weight, I might not be changing my body fat, but if I get in that gym, I know there's other benefits that I'm going to, that I'm going to be reaping. And that's, I think that's huge going forward. And I think, I think you just touched on something that I think is important too. Like it's okay to, you know, sometimes our motivations change. And one thing I try to do with, with my clients is develop a why. So like their goal, like when you develop a why that becomes your, your purpose, that becomes your motivation. And so we go back to that, you know, on those days, on those days when we don't want to go to the gym, on those days we're tired or we feel sick or we just want to throw in the towel because it's hard. Then you go back to your why and say, okay, the reason I'm doing this is because I want to be, I want to be healthy so that I can be fully present with my kids so that I can live a long, healthy life and be there for them or that I can go do the things I love to do, whether it be hiking or climbing or spending time with your wife and being physically attractive to each other and being physically able to, to, you know, be intimate. And, and some people, sure. you know, they're so out of shape, they can't even be intimate in, in a healthy way. And so, you know, when you, when you, you create this why for yourself and sometimes that's why I do things in like 12 week or 90 day things is, um, you know, I ask clients like, okay, okay, what do you want? What do you want to accomplish specifically? And I try to be as specific as I can so that, you know, they, instead of, you know, a general goal would be like, okay, I want to lose weight and gain muscle. Okay. Well, that's good, but let's define it even further. Like say, and then you put positive verbiage around it, like write it down and say, okay, in the next 90 days, I will lose 20 pounds of fat and gain 10 pounds of muscle. I will do this. And so you literally write down a piece of paper and then every morning before you wake up or after you wake up, you, know, you look at that and you say, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm going to get my ass out of bed at 4.30 or 5. I'm going to go to the gym because this is my why. I'm going to accomplish this goal. Mm-hmm. And so you, you do that and at the end of the 90 days when you accomplish that, it builds power. And then you redefine it again, like you set up maybe another 90 day thing. For some people it changes and that's okay. Like you come back to like, you know, now, um, you know, I might want to get into shape to do an Ironman competition or whatever it is. Like you, you, you create power by creating, gaining control over your body and you learn how to eat, you learn how to train and you can literally, you know, I've gone through times where I've, I've changed my body to be in shape for a powerful competition. Like I manipulated my training and dieting, so I gained weight, I gained maximum amount of strength, and you know I've I've won a national competition. I was able to to control my body and my eating and my my training to be able to do that. And there's other times where it's like, okay, I want to do an MMA fight, so I have to lose weight, get in more cardio shape, do these things. So my goals changed, but it became a new life for me, a new motivation. Mm-hmm. So that's what's really cool when you really get into training and, and this is it's when you master that you can master your own body master your own mind and you can become this you can become a, a, a powerful person and you can right. do whatever you want and, and i think that's it's really cool and that's that's the favorite my favorite part of what i do is when i see someone who maybe previously was had low view of themselves and felt they can't do anything and it, it's this concept of they see you the results from their training and they, it takes hold of them and they grab it and run with it. And, and then they, they, they see that confidence pour over into every other aspect of their lives and their relationships improve and their, their businesses improve. And it's all started with the confidence and power that they gain from that gaining control of their own body. Yeah. And, it, and it's that internal locus of control and, and you, 
you know, you can have an external locus of control where you think everything that happens to you, you know, is based upon luck or is based upon fate or based upon, you know, the efforts or you know, the doings of other people, or you can have the internal locus of control where you have true human agency and you impact your life around you for the better. And you have control sure. of what happens. And you, you alluded to this earlier when you talked about you'd rather be a warrior in the garden. And I know you posted about this earlier this week, too, about being proactive rather than reactive. And yeah. so when you're doing these kinds of things and you have these kind of habits in place. If the world around you goes to shit, you still have these habits in place so that your mind is still intact and you can still take care of yourself. And even if there's chaos around you, you can still have peace in your mind, peace in your heart. And you can still have the confidence to know that you can still take care of business if you have to. You can still protect yourself. You can still protect your family. And um, your life's going to keep going on regardless of how chaotic things are. 100%. And another thing, too, is it's like, you know, our our minds are obviously the, 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 the key here, but the, literally our bodies are kind of the epicenter of our being. It's the, it's, the, it's the suitcase of our soul and our mind is in our body. And it's like, you know, if your body is is degenerating at a pace that's unnatural because of neglect and and all these things, like um, other aspects of your life will soon follow. If you're if you're getting out of shape and you're 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 not treating yourself well, um, other aspects of your life tend tend to follow suit. And so it's like, and you know, it happens to the best of us. You get you get into you get married, you have kids, you get a business. And, you know, a lot of us, when we're younger, a lot of the guys that I know that I work with are business owners and they're overweight, but they used to be an athlete. They used to be in really good shape. And so they're, they're in their mindset. It's like, man, I used to be in really good shape. What happened? Well, life happens. And no, you know, I don't think anyone sets out, no one sets out in life to be uh, fat and out of shape or poor or lonely, but that's just kind of what happens if we, if we, if we don't pay attention and we're not fully, we're not paying attention to those things over time. You know, especially as men, as we get older, you know, you gain, it becomes harder and harder to get in shape and your body becomes less efficient. You tend to gain weight as you get older. So if you're not staying on top of it, you know, guys in their 20s, you know, now who are in their 50s, it's like they gain a couple pounds each year. It doesn't happen all at once. Just, you know, gain a pound, you gain, get a little more out of shape, you get a little bit older. The next thing you know, you know, you're, you're married with four kids in a business and you're, you know, you're, you're 315 pounds and you're like, what the hell happened, right? And so, um, that's, that's where, that's where it really comes down to, again, creating a new why for yourself. And it's like, okay, I, I want to, you know, cause we don't, we only live once. This, this life is all that we got. And it's like, I think. You only get one body. That's for damn sure. You only, you only get one body and that's precisely. And I think to, to get the most out of life, to, to have the most, enjoyment out of your relationships to be fully present with life i've found that i enjoy life most and when i'm in good shape because it allows me to again do the things that i want to do like hiking climbing doing all this stuff and then i live such a busy life like you know i'm up in the morning and going to the gym and then for a while i was doing construction stuff and doing weightlifting equipment sales and coaching all this stuff like life demands a lot of me. If I, if I'm not in physical shape, like it will drive me into the ground quick. Right. And so, you know, that's where people, that's where people who aren't in shape, if they don't have the, the energy that their body naturally produces, well, guess what they reach for? They, they reach for drugs to keep them going, whether, you know, 
I, I know lots of guys in the construction business who are out of shape, but instead of getting in the shape so they can go throughout the day, you know, they they reach for coke or they reach for meth or whatever, and then to, to go to sleep at night, you know, they're taking pain pills and drinking just to have these normal functions that you should be able to do if you were in good shape. And so obviously that's not the route to go, but that's that's the instant gratification society. And so don't do the work to get in shape. Just, you know, take this pill and just run with it, you know, but that's eventually that that takes a lot of people to an early grave. And the idea is not to die young, but to to live as long as we can and be as healthy as we can and enjoy this this gift, this experience that we have in the best shape that we can be in. Right. And you just brought to mind something like the whole concept of the corporate athlete, you know, and you see that all, I mean, if you look at the guys that are the successful CEOs of all the companies, I mean, the days of the fat, overweight kingpin, those days are over. I mean, if, I mean, if you look at all, all the guys that we follow that are heading up big corporations, I mean, Sean Whalen, Ryan Stuman, Andy Frisella, Ed Milet, I mean, the, the list goes on and on. I mean, these are all guys that are in peak physical shape. Totally. And it's no coincidence. I mean, how you do one thing is how you do all things. And, uh, Amen. um, you know, and yeah, they're in that position because they, they can, you know, they're, they're in shape because they can, like I said before, they can outfocus you. They can outwork you. They're going to have more energy. They're going to have more confidence. I mean, for me, the, you know, just having that fitness, you know, in terms of how it affects your moon overall quality of life, it's like a lens. It's like, it's like, it's like yes. putting a different color lens in your glasses when you're in shape. You exactly. see the world differently. I mean, you want to talk about, give an analogy between like rose colored and gray colored glasses. I mean, when I'm in shape and I know I'm in the best sh- shape, like that's a much brighter colored lens that I'm looking through and seeing the world through And it. You know, it affects everything. Yeah. And, no. And, and you, ju- you just said it a minute ago. And I think you're, you're exactly right. Talking about the, the new entrepreneur. I mean, it's no longer, you know, these fat and kings sitting on a throne with people feeding them grapes and just them being overweight. Like that's not, that's not the reality that that lifestyle is over. And um, there's a book called um, tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. And he's, oh, he's a guy who's, yeah, he's great. He's like kind of the uh, life hack, like efficiency guy. And I love his stuff, but in this book tools of Titans, what he does is he goes around and he analyzes hyper successful people, like, like the Sean Waylands, like Tony Robbins, all this thing. And he analyzes their life. Like what makes them different? Why, and they may do things differently, but one thing that was common with them throughout all of them is they all had either a morning routine or a daily routine or something where they were investing time in themselves to wrap their brains around what they had to do. And most of, a lot of it started with a physical fitness routine, something you do every single day, no matter what. It was a consistency thing. So they would do it no matter what in the morning, which would get their brain wrapped around the fact that instead of hitting the alarm clock, it's like Jocko, you know, it's like he's up at 5, 4.30 or whatever, and he's got his watch on his show. It's like, I'm up at 4.30, I'm doing this no matter how I feel. He's creating just power. For Regardless of the day of the week, he's doing that Regardless on the Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah, he's doing it. But it, and it's the same thing with some of these guys that are in this book. It's like, no matter what, no matter what they have going on in their life, they're going to have that little chunk of time that they take for themselves, they prioritize it, and they do it every single day, and it creates power and confidence and it sets the tone for the entire day so where you know they they do that and then the rest of the day it's like they have that in their mind like i i I had this moment for myself and i created this power by meditating on the things that i have to do and 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 creating this energy for myself so then they go from that and then they 
welcome the world with open arms like bring it on baby i got this exactly and yeah exactly. You're, you're filling your cup in all four of those areas if you have the right kind of routine the core four yeah. i mean you're you're doing a workout you're taking a greens powder you're doing some meditation you're doing gratitude you're sending messages to your significant other or whoever else you want to show appreciation to in your life um you know you're, you're reading you're listening to a podcast long enough i mean for me I'll read or listen to a podcast long enough so that I can not only read something or get information, but you know, the second point like Garrett J. White talks about is to declare, you know, read oh, yes. and declare. So be able to exactly. share it with somebody, do a post on it, you know, call somebody and tell them about it, you know, teach it to somebody else. And so if you read and declare it, you, it doesn't take long to do these things. If you take the time in the morning, it just, it empowers you so much. I mean, by the time you roll into the office or wherever your place of work is, you are so far ahead of that person that just rolled out about a half hour ago. They're speeding in, totally. spilling coffee on themselves and all flustered and everything else. That motherfucker totally. is playing the rest of his day on defense. Totally. And I've been that guy too. I remember you're coming in prime. I, I remember being that person where I was so out of shape that I want I, I would wake up in the morning and I would keep hitting my snooze alarm until it was five minutes before I needed to go. And I'd throw my clothes on quick you know, slam a muffin in my mouth and a big cup of coffee and I'm out the door and I'm stressed already. I've already set the crappy tone for my day. Like I'm already stressed. I might be late. You know, if there's, if there's any accident on the road or something, I'm, I'm going to be late. And so I'm rushed. I've already created this terrible tone for myself. And it, you know, you get to the office, you're, you still haven't woken up yet. You're flustered. You don't, yeah. you're not even dressed properly. You know, your, your shoes are untied and I've been there and that's, You've already set yourself up for failure, really. And the whole thing is, how do we set ourselves up for success? And it all starts with uh, investing in yourself, prioritizing your, your health and your fitness, your mental health, your spiritual self, and, and creating, again, uh, a time for you to invest in you so that you can be the most the best version of yourself and when you're the best version of yourself then you can you can worry less about yourself and start focusing on adding value to other people and the most effective people the people who add the most value um are the people who who have who have done the work with themselves they've invested in a, in a personal life coach or a coach and they, they they've got they've got it down they've they've um you know they've created that internal that internal power where they've, they've again um gotten rid of those old unhealthy habits and they've they've developed new healthy patterns of action to where now they can now they can go out and they their, their focus there's no noise going on in their head about uh themselves negatively and they can focus and be fully present with their kids they can be fully present with their employees and their businesses and those are the people like I love seeing this type of people because you would think that those people might not have the time or they might be rushed or worried, but honestly, the, the, the times when I've, I've felt most present with someone was actually a, a, an entrepreneur who had a lot going on, but he had, he had developed himself in such a way that when he's with someone, he, he is able to, put all the other things aside and he focuses completely on you. And I've never felt, I've never had a better conversation than I had with one of the most busiest people in the world. Because he was able to, he was okay with himself. Like he, he had done the work to, to, to uh, create this person who 
had a strong mind, a strong, strong heart, who genuinely cared about people. And so like when I was in a conversation with him, I felt he, he was fully present with me. And here's this guy who has probably very, I mean, we all have 24 hours in a day, but he was a, he was such a, he was such a person who, um, who was able to, uh, not compartmentalize this time, but he, his time management was so was so good because of how he was internally that it was just I love talking to him because he, yeah. he, was, he was so genuine. But he was honestly the, the busiest person. He had lots of money and all these things. So you would think like, oh, this guy's gonna have time for me. He's gonna be out of touch. No, he was he was precisely the opposite. You know? And that's how I want to be. I yeah. want to be when I have a conversation with someone. I don't want to be worried about any of my BS that I could take care of myself if I'd done, done the work. I want to be, I almost want to, you know, be good with myself so that I can I, not worry about myself and that I can focus on, you know, my family and the people that I care about and, and, and a good business owner, like, you know, they've done the internal work with themselves to kind of be in a place where they're comfortable and confident in themselves so they can put all of their energy into creating a, a uh, an environment or you know, for their employees in the workplace that they have a passion for that. And then that comes in. My favorite thing is to see someone who runs a company or whatever who is totally in tune with quote unquote the little people in his company because he realizes that this is what makes it work and these are the people who really matter. And uh, that only comes from you know someone who has at some point prioritized themselves to um, kind of do the work that's necessary because we all, you know, there's plenty of people out there who are yeah. rushed and they don't have it all together and they can't be fully present with anything and they're, they're just kind of this uh, uh, out of touch type of a person and I, I don't want to be out of touch and I have been in my life and it's not it's not fun. My relationship suffered. I kind of had superficial friendships and, you know, the romantic relationships I had back then all fell apart because I wasn't fully present in them and because that's because I didn't have my own heart, my own mind, we're not in a good place. And I think that comes back to what we started our conversation with, was, which is discipline. And the phrase yes. discipline, discipline equals freedom. And a lot of people hear that and they think it's an oxymoron, but it's not that. Because if you're disciplined and you're taking care of what you need to on the inside, once you get disciplined enough with that, it starts to become automatic. It becomes a habit. And it's going to be something yes. that takes up less space, less bandwidth in your brain. And so you can do those things automatically without it taking up a lot of your active energy. So then you have all that extra energy to give to the other people around you to be fully present. And you have that conversation and you know that you know, other people know that you're fully there with them. And, you know, totally. the other piece of that, too, is like, you know, stop trying to fucking multitask people because a lot of people are trying to multitask and then they're not paying attention to what's in front of them. And so if you're not multitasking, you know, I always say multitasking is a chance to do multiple things in a half ass manner. So, <laughs> and it, you know, totally. And, and the one thing Gary Keller, you know, in, in the he has a, a Russian proverb and says something with the effect of if you attempt to chase two rabbits, you'll catch neither one. Right, hundred percent. So if you're staying pre present with the person in front of you, and you know, and if you learn to be efficient that way, you're going to be able to give everybody their time and, and feel present with them. And it's actually going to be a better use of your time. You're not going to be reorienting between tasks. And so I think between having that discipline and not trying to multitask, that's how you can really make people feel feel special and you know present and you're going to make a lasting impression on them because people that are present, like the gentleman that you were talking about, they're few and far between. hundred percent. And, you know, you talked about being free. That's such a, 
you know, Sean Whalen in, in his lineup of uh, attire, one of his shirts is, is free man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you just take it at face value, okay, what does that mean? I'm an American, whatever, I'm free. But really, when you think about it in the deeper sense, like, there's so many people who they may appear free in the fact that they can go and do what they want because we live in a free country, but there's so many people. The worst prison is the prison of our own mind, right? And um, I've been a prison, I've a self-imposed prison, and I've, I've been there myself. And my dad, my dad was in um, uh, Vietnam, and he had passed this book along to me. It was called Bounce Back, and it was about POWs who were. I think it may be, I don't know if it was Vietnam or the book was written about Vietnam POWs or Korean POWs. But anyway, these guys were in, in a real prison and, and, and being, you know, tortured to some degree, but were in this, these terrible conditions. And most of the people who were in those conditions for, you know, a year or two, they ended up kind of either going crazy or having some serious PTSD issues. But one of the guys in the group who was a, was a teacher who had, you know, gotten in the military and then was captured and stuff like that he realized that if i'm going to make it out of here i've got to create a place of freedom in my mind and so one of the things he would do is instead of just being in this crap you know this literally bamboo cage that they were in like instead of dwelling on that and just being um a, a victim of of the situation one thing that he would do is not just meditate but he started creating purpose, so they would all—they were all kind of together um, in this little, this little hut. And one thing he did, instead of just sitting there and doing nothing, everyone has some skill, different skills. Like you know, one of the guys was a teacher in there. The other guy had been a mechanic, mm-hmm. and you know, one, so they started developing curriculum from themselves. Where each day, as the, instead of just sitting in this room and, and woe is me, like look at our situation. They started, yeah, teaching they, started, they started teaching each other. So they take up their time. So one guy, he spoke multiple languages. So they started teaching each other. Okay, here's the language. They started writing it down, creating stuff in the, the teacher. The other guy, you know, when he was a mechanic, he started talking about how to take part of a car. So they created this, this, this world for them inside of their prison where they, they created freedom for themselves. And they essentially were able to save themselves emotionally. And some of the other guys who... who didn't want to be a part of that who kind of isolated themselves from that group they ended up either dying or having serious issues after they after it was all over and um these other guys you know they went on to two of them went on to write books and become motivational speakers and everything but they created freedom in their own mind even though they were in a physical prison and so many people i mean we live in the, one of the freest countries in the world but so many people are in the prison of their own mind and it's Oh my God! I was that way for a long time, right? You know, I, I was a prisoner of self-induced prison, and that's the worst place you can be. This is so good. I, I, I swear, you got to get out of my head because, like, you, I was just thinking about this from something earlier. Because um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually listening to an audible um, by uh, Donald Miller. Well, here, yeah, sure. Yes, yeah. Talking about the same exact thing, and he talked about uh, Victor Frankl, you know, in the concentration camp. It was oh, yeah. kind wow. of thing being able to find, you know, and he just, he made up his mind, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to find meaning and purpose in anything. And yes. so he, when everything looked bleak and, you know, you, you hear stories about, you know, some of the people that were in there and their families that were getting murdered, you know, and everything else. And it just, he's still, you know, if you structure your mind properly, you can find meaning and purpose in anything 
And that's what can 100%. keep you going. And, you know, from an existential standpoint, it can put you in a good position. Or if you don't have that, you know, existentially, you're going to be in crisis. And, well, and you, I know we had this conversation the other day about some of the retreat stuff that you're doing and, and working with people is that we all have, we all have a story to tell. We all have baggage. We all have this darkness in our life. I mean, every single person, if you're, if you're alive and you're a human being, you, you have stuff in your life. And, and the thing is so many people see it as a negative thing, but you can take any situation and turn it into power and positivity. If you, if you deal with it correctly. And that's where some of these things are so important, whether it be with fitness or, or coaching or therapy or whatever it is, is, being a place where you're vulnerable and we talk about truth, like you were truth seekers. It's like the truth will set you free. We've all heard that, but it is so true and never more now than ever. And never more. I've seen it more in my own life that when I, when I put my feelings aside and I focus on the truth and I, 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 I you can, there's value in anything. And people think, people think um, pain and negative experiences and all these things, they might be painful and, 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 you know, I look back in the time when I was in the worst depression of my life and I wouldn't wish how I felt on anyone because it was, it was literally like being in a nightmare, waking up, being tortured every day mentally and, and spiritually. So I, I hated the feeling, but right. having gone through that, if I, now it would be pointless and terrible if I had never talked about it or I never helped anyone else who was dealing with it. But one thing, having gone through that myself is, Someone who goes through PTSD or, or any of those kinds of things, unless you've gone through it, you can't, it's like a, it's like a drug addict. No one wants to, you can't be an effective drug counselor unless you've gone through it yourself. It just doesn't make sense. Like, so the, the people who are, who help those type of people and most effectively are the people who, who've been there, done that and have gone through it themselves and say, okay, hey, here was, I was, here was how I got through it. And similarly with like depression or anything else or fitness transformation or anything yeah. like um you have to have gone through that and, yeah. and that's one thing that's one thing i can say about having gone through depression is it allows me to um instant credibility instant credibility i can say you know what i can sympathize with that i understand and i'm, I'm not going to tell you how to do things but here was my experience and here's how i dealt with what you're feeling and um I've been able to speak into another people's life. In fact, I had someone reach out to me a couple of weeks ago and just send me a note that said, Hey, you know, you're, you just talking about the things you went through. I, I, and I was kind of following you silently and he never gave me any feedback, but he did, he did reach out at one time. It's like what you, the things you were talking about and sharing me, they literally saved my life. And it's like, what? what? And you just, that's it, never that's, that that to me made it all worth it. If, yep. if, if all the time, if all the posts I've done and all the stuff I've said about depression, all the conversations, if I've helped save one person, yep, it's all worth it. All worth it, right? Yeah, it, it, and that's the beauty about sharing, sharing experiences and you know the the change I went through a couple of years ago. You know, after I you know came across Sean in the lion's den and started telling the truth and being open and not pretending that I had all my shit together, and it was it was powerful for me because like. It, you know, what, what I thought was going to work against me and negatively affect my credibility as a psychologist and as a therapist and, you know, as a provider, it actually did just the opposite because it's just, you know, you know, of course, in the process of losing my dad and having some other things going, I also got dealt a couple other gut punches and sure. developed some other scars and everything else. But, uh, 
you know, all those things, I mean, the silver lining in, in them is that, uh, you know, I, you know, it was credibility and I, I, I got to fully understand like, you know, what my clients were really feeling. I got to For know sure. what it was really like and how to come back from it. And, you know, I didn't, just, I wasn't just the guy with the fancy alphabet soup after his name. <laughs> right. Or, or a goofy oh, white sure. coat or anything else. It was like, okay, yeah, I've, now I know what it's like to really bleed and to really suffer. And, you know, that just added another layer of credibility, you know, that I can help you. Like Ed Milet says, are, are the exact thing that actually qualify you to help people the most. For sure. And I, you know, what, you, what we're just talking about kind of remind me, I, you probably heard this kind of short little story, but it, you know, it's just, I think it's like, you know, these two guys are walking on the beach, you know, and they're both standing there talking as they're walking slowly down the beach and there's kind of a low tide and there's all these stuff. There's thousands and thousands of these starfish up on the beach and they're kind of drying out and they're dying because the tide's low. And as they're talking, one of the guys, every, every few hundred yards, you pick one up and throw it back into the ocean and uh, they just keep walking along. And finally one guy goes, why are you doing that? You can't possibly like, does it make a difference? Look how many thousands are out here. I mean, does it make a difference? And he picks one more up and he throws it back in the ocean and says, well, it made a difference to that one, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's precisely it. I mean, I, I can't save everyone and nor, you can't save everyone, but if we all come together and we share our experiences and we do this, the more people we can help. And I, again, even if I only save one starfish or one other human being or I've made a difference in my and all the time I've spent doing this is worth it because that's the value I think of a human being and human life is that whatever time, effort, money it takes for to get someone to realize their own worth or to save their life or to get them to make a transformation that allows them to be fully present and to be um, maximally effective as a human being and to, you know, I used to say that, you know, that whether you believe in God or not, it's different, but, you know, the glory of God is, is a man is man fully alive, right? It's like that when you when you come to that place where you you are um, mentally in a good place, and spiritually in a good place, and physically a good place, and you're able to be fully present with life. I mean, that's such a powerful thing to see someone like that who is Absolutely. who's has got it together and, and, sure. and all that. And it's too too few and far between because you know you look around and we look at society and it's just there's the majority of people are just. Um, unhealthy kind of plotting through an average existence right yeah you just brought to mind a saying i heard a long time ago and it goes something effective to the world you may seem like one person to one to one person you may be the world and so that's that's just it man exactly yeah, exactly and to your kids and again we talk about, i don't have i don't have kids but i know you do and that's what's so important about being a parent who's fully present especially a father where it's like you know we might think of ourselves, you know, in the workplace or whatever as being just a, a, just a number or an employee or whatever, but to, to one person, you're everything and, and you're, 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 the... that's what, that's what it really comes down to. I think initially when I started training, it was more selfishly motivated. Like, you know, I wanted to be a champion. I wanted to be uh, sexually attracted to women. And so that like, was more focused on that. Like aesthetically, it's like, I just wanted to be, you know, when I was 20, it's like, okay, I want to have be hot and have abs so I can hook up with a bunch of chicks or something. Like, okay, fine. It's, it's okay. I want to be attractive. But the older I get, the more it's like, no, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be healthy so that I can be fully present with the people I care about. Like, yeah. you know, my, my parent, my mom was still alive, my, my friends, and yeah. eventually, you know, my children. 
And I don't think you can full, you can be fully present unless you're physically healthy and mentally healthy and spiritually healthy. Right? I think in the end, just in real basic evolutionary terms, we want to be harder to kill. I want to be around. You got to stick around. Damn, <laughs> damn right, man. Absolutely. Good stuff. Um, Good stuff, man. Let's let's talk a little bit more about men's issues. Talk to me about the uh, you know before we uh, finish up for the day. Talk to me about the you know men in society and kind of your your take on our role and where you see it going and where you see it now and where you see it going and you know what what do you think it is that uh, that men need the most right now? Well, it's interesting you bring that up. I mean, I, I live in Seattle area, which is you know kind of a unique place. It's kind of a the epicenter of kind of all this craziness around like gender roles and things like that, like the roles men and women play in society and in relationships and all this type of stuff. And, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's completely warped. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm a little old school with things, but um, some people think of like, it gets warped because there's this idea of men being men somehow like, and there can be, if you go about it wrong, it can be a toxic thing where right. men are, you know, like Vikings and they, you know, they take what they want and they treat women poorly and women are just sexual objects and all these things. That's obviously completely wrong. Right. But there's a healthy aspect of it. It's like, if you look at how we are created naturally, it's like, okay, men have a, have testosterone, men have a certain amount of strength. And the, the idea is not to, and that's one, you know, I grew up, christian and things like that but one criticism i have of kind of the more modern church is that um there's this kind of emphasis on a good man is someone who is not violent you know they, they sit in the front row at church they fold their hands and they they just do good things or they don't do anything bad and you know they they pay their tithe and they you know they they go to work and they pay their taxes and, and that's a good man I, I don't think that that's correct. I think a, a, an effective man, a good man, is someone who is capable of, of great violence, but has that under control. and can control that. And, Jordan uh, Peterson talks about that, and yeah, he's the, you know, the I forget how he said it, but I believe he said the the most dangerous man is the man who has those capabilities but knows how to keep them under control. Sure, sure, and the most dangerous well, man—that's yeah. the most powerful man. A hundred percent, and like you know if the time comes to go to war it's like i don't i don't want the the uh the pussy in front row of church who doesn't know how to fight who won't fight because he thinks he's supposed to the other the other cheek i want to know i want to be hanging out with the guy who's the warrior who has been training himself this whole time and has been a good man and has kept it under control but now it's time to go it's time to go it's time to time to time to throw it out there and pull the it's sword out right yep and, um, you know, I, I think that but we, if we look at society of men and we look at like gang members and we look at these things, that is that is a healthy desire gone wrong. There's something there that, you know, men want respect. They want to be a warrior. They want. So there's this natural eternal desire for these things that I think are healthy, but they get warped. And so now we have these gang members who are or people like that or violent guys or, or whatever. And um, they've got that, that healthy, good desire all wrong. And so um, then you have people just being violent for no reason. You have people who are demanding respect from other gang members or you look at them wrong and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll shoot you. Well, that's just, that's just nonsense. But that's the reality of it. I think are these, these 
healthy desires that that have gone awry. And so I think as far as in terms of men, um, what what society needs again is is men who um, are good men in the sense of like their character. Um, you know, and, and here, here's another thing. Like I, I heard this quote the other day and it made total sense to me. It's like it's very simple. Character is just a matter of um, refusing to do the things that you know are wrong and do the things that are right. And we all know what is what is wrong and right, but we create these gray areas and we justify things and all these other types of things. But if we want to be good men, what it really comes down to is just what I said. It's like it's like we all know what's right or wrong, and you, you refuse to do the things you know are wrong and do the things that are right. And uh, I mean, sometimes life can, it can be oversimplifying it because there's times in life where it's like, okay, well, whatever. But it, it really comes down to, to just that. And again, um, you know, I don't want to speak to, to to women's role in society, but I think that I think that feminism is born out of probably a warped a warped view of how men men are. I mean, I don't think feminism would necessarily exist in, in the negative way that it does uh, if, if, if men had done what they were supposed to do from the beginning and treated women with respect, but also did the things they knew were supposed to do in a healthy way. Um, so being a man has very little to, has very little to do with, uh, you know, like smoking cigars and womanizing and sleeping with as many women as you can, all that. That's a warped idea of what a lot of people think of like a man should, man should be. When it's quite the opposite. I think that um, it's good to be someone who can protect your family. But again, it comes back to the Jordan Peterson where it's like a man is someone, again, who is capable of great violence and can, can defend what he needs to, but has it under control. And a real man is, is not someone who thinks that he sits on the throne and everyone should be subservient to him, whether it be his wife or his girlfriend or whatever. But a good man is someone who is willing to sacrifice his life for those people, for his kids, for his wife, for his girlfriend, for the, the quote-unquote weaker sex. And I don't mean weaker sex in, in the terms of uh, you know, value or anything like that, but just physically weaker. I mean, as sure. men, part of our responsibility, I feel, is to protect protect the people who are closest to us and be sacrificial, be sacrificial. And that's where it gets warped. That's where it gets warped. There's a lot of guys who think that they take on this king-queen mentality in a warped way where it's like, I'm king, I eat first, they're lesser than me. Uh, you know, she, I make all the money, she needs to cook and clean and do all the sexual things I want. But I no, I mean, that's Hmm. What it comes down to is what you guys don't realize is, is a true king, a good man. Is well, first, because you've got a responsibility, you know, so that you can take care of the responsibility you have to them. Amen. And protect them and serve them. Protect them and serve them and be sacrificial. And at the end of the day, be willing to lay down your life for those things. And, and so many people just don't get that. And um, I'm still working on that myself, obviously. I mean, none of us fully arrive, I think, and have it all together. But I think when you go back to what you originally said, we're talking about bringing up the issues with men and, and things like that. I think is um, is precisely that is society has a warped view of of gender roles and and, and what that means. And so many people think like um, they just have it wrong. And not that I have it right, but I think that you know again I'm a big fan of Jordan Peterson's, and I think I think I think along those lines is 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 truth. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know I think. 
as we were talking about the other day, I think, I think men need to have, you know, I, I think it's up to us to provide a little more training as men are coming up through the teenage ranks and everything else. And I think, you know, teens and young men need to go on more, you know, we, I was talking about this the other day, heroes journeys and, you know, have, have more times, you know, more rites of passage and, and Amen. Where they really Amen. Do have to struggle. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying put your son out and, you know, death's doorstep or, you know, in, in harm's way, but, something where they do have to struggle and, you know, you, you know, before when people had to build houses with their bare hands or to go and catch their food and their life depended on it. I mean, that was a hero's journey they had to, to go on. And, you know, of course, when you do that kind of thing, it, it builds a, a different mindset, different kind of confidence for you. And, but men, men don't have to do that anymore. You know, men, men can be that guy you're talking about that's sitting in the front pew at church, you know, and never having to do a real struggle and they're doing what seems like the right thing, but they haven't had to do anything violent. They haven't do anything physically strenuous. They haven't had to push their limits in anything, you know, anything that's hard, you know, or physically taxing, you know, you swipe the credit card and pay a little bit more money. You don't really have to struggle. It's, you know, it's, it's a drop in the bucket, but you're not having to really struggle. Whereas if you're going on the hero's journey and, you know, that's, that's what, one of the reasons why we're doing this retreat is because we want to take men on the hero's journey and have them struggle and push their limits and, see what they're capable of because that's going to prep you for later when you really need it. Sure. And, and you just said it. I mean, the whole idea is not, and I think unfortunately some churches and, and, and religiosity have done this in, in society in general is the idea isn't to just castrate men and make them ineffective so they don't do anything bad. The thing is to, to um, uplift their natural gifts, but also teach them character to, to keep their strengths under control and to be used in the manner in which they were intended for good. Right? Absolutely. Oh, well, Jeff, I appreciate all the time you've taken today. I need to be respectful of your time. This, uh, I just looked at the time and uh, we sure made it fly today. Um, hey, good stuff, man. It, it felt like 15 minutes because we're talking about important things. And, and this is the kind of, the reason I came on here is because of the conversation, you know, following you and seeing what you're putting out there in, the, in this stuff that uh, we talked about the other day on the phone, I think it's absolutely essential. And it's, it's the message that I think um, society, particularly men, need to hear. 100%, man. Well, I, I was pumped about this all week. And so I'm, I'm glad we were able to you know, set aside time to make this happen. And uh, before I let you go, uh, tell, uh, tell everybody where they can find you uh, online, et cetera, you know, on social media. How, how can everybody find you, get in touch with you? Uh, um, if they want to learn more about you and uh, what you do. Yeah, for sure. And, and honestly, the easiest way is just on Facebook, uh, Jeff Theorell, uh, T-H-E-O-R-E-L-L is my last name. And my uh, company is uh, Jeff at Transformation. And uh, you know, I'm all about just uh, getting people from where they are to where they want to be and then um, developing those, those things, not just physical stuff, but you know that deeper sense of uh, who we are and developing those things so that we can be fully present in life. There you have it. Well, nuggets galore dropped today, guys. And so if any of this resonated with you, please go online, leave us a five-star review, share the show with someone that you think uh, might benefit and uh, lean some, uh, some knowledge and uh, take it and use, use it for useful purpose. Uh, it's been a pleasure having all of you listening today. I want you to go out, make it uh, your goal to go out and make someone's day, week, month, year better. And get out there and serve others and uh, always be growing. And we'll see you next time. Peace. All right.